Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. We are in another episode of our series, DNA, the core of the local church. This is episode number three. Uh, I am just let's jump into it real quick. This episode, we are going to be talking about vision. If you've seen our other episodes, we talked about our, uh, uh, the DNA of of our mission or the mission portion of the D, of the, our DNA in Christ. We talked about the values portion of our DNA in Christ. And now we're going to talk about the vision portion of our DNA in Christ. Now, the DNA or the vision portion of our DNA in Christ Jesus, what it does, it, it helps us to imagine what can be in the future. So we can visualize what the community that embodies that mission and the values would look like. And we all look at how our mission, our vision, our uh, values, how it can affect the future. So it sets up this ability or this way for us to see within our mind how things will look or how we project them to look. And so our episode, the subtitle of our episode for this week is Vision Causes Clarity. Vision Causes Clarity. So what it does, vision sets us up so that we can get clarity to what we're going to do as we go forward. Our definitions are as follows. Uh, DNA is a self-replicating material that is present in nearly all living organisms, as we've said before. It is the fundamental and distinctive characteristics or qualities of someone or something, especially when regarded as unchangeable. Our next definition is vision. Vision is the ability to think about or plan the future with imagination or wisdom. And clarity. Clarity is clearness as to perception or understanding. And it's freedom from indistinctness or ambiguity. So it provides us with a clear way to see what the future looks like. And that's why it's important for us to have a uh, mindset where we can see the vision so that we can know what we see. Our scriptures that we're going to be using for this message today are going to be from Habakkuk, second chapter. We're going to do the second and the third verses. And also uh, John, the 13th chapter, the 34th and the 35th verses. This is both coming from the English Standard Version. So Habakkuk 2 and 2 says this. And the Lord answered me, write the vision Make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. Verse 3 says, For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. John, the 13th chapter, starting at that 34th verse, says this. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. 
By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that it will fall upon the good soul of our heart in Jesus' name. There have been advertisements recently for uh, an, uh, uh, a thing called Ancestry.com. Ancestry.com lets you look back through your history so that you can kind of get an understanding of where you came from and uh, the people that were part of your heritage. Because if you can understand where you came from, then you can understand where you are. So uh, we have the understanding that our DNA lets us know who we are and where we come from. Our DNA in Christ lets us know that we are in him and through him that we live, we move, we have our very existence. It also helps us to understand our mission. It helps us to understand our values. It helps us to clearly see what the expectations are of who we are. Uh, as we begin to do the research, as we begin to get an understanding um, it brings back the, the commercial, one of the commercials that Ancestry.com had. Um, the guy was up there and he was talking about uh, all, you know, all his heritage. They, they said they, they thought they were German. And as he started doing the Ancestry.com, he finds out that he was not German, and, but that he was Scottish. And so in the beginning of the commercial, he has on them uh, the thing that the Germans... The, Lager hosen, but then what he does, he changes over into the uh, kilt at the end of the commercial. So what we see through this is the fact that as we start learning, we start making adjustments to what we need to do in order to ensure that we are in the right position. So we want to make sure that we have a good understanding of what God is doing in us, through us, and so that he can be glorified also in us. The next point that I want us to bring out is the fact that we have spoken about the uh, DNA, and we have spoken about uh, the, um, the mission. We've spoken about the values. Now, the other part that we want, like I said, we want to look at is what does it look like visually? And that's what vision entails. That's what vision is telling us. It is giving us what vision is actually all about. Vision is our uh, ability to see within our imagination. Um, one of the things that I like to emphasize about imagination is that it has no limits. You can imagine whatever you want to imagine and there's nothing limiting you or your imagination. So you can see it, you can work it, you can do it in your mind. Uh, you can be the whatever. You, you, you know where I'm coming from. And that's why when we look at Habakkuk, the second chapter and the second verse, he says that uh, to write the vision to make it plain so that he may run with it. So 
It is not looking necessarily at our present situation. It is us projecting forward into our future and coming up with a mental visualization of what that future looks like. Now, it is very easy for us to say that I'm just going to let it come to me. Now, there's a saying that a person that does not have a goal will hit the goal every time. Because if you don't, if you're not shooting for anything, you're not, you're always going to hit that. That's, that's the point of that, okay? But, my, but what I want us to look at is that our imagination is not just for creating movies. It's not just for uh, writing novels. It's, it's, it's not just for that. It is also something that God has put into us so that we can move forward with a distinction and that we can have clarity in that distinction, in that journey, in that direction that we want or are endeavoring to achieve. So we want to kind of remove all the, the uh, noise, all the fluff, all that, and become locked in on the direction that we can see in our imagination. So with that being said, that means faith is actually an act of imagination because faith is believing that something in the future is actually going to happen. You didn't think about that, did you? That's why we have, we get excited. That's why we have hope. That is why things go the way that they go because we have hope for the future. Somebody trying to get in the house, but don't worry about it. Uh, but our vision inf uh, infuses our imagination with possibilities. And so what I want to do today, I want us to use our imagination as we go forward that we can say, this is what God's house Christian church looks like. This is what my church looks like because we can look with our imagination and we do not see any limitations. Remember what I said, our imagination allows us to uh, have limitless, boundless possibilities. We're not concerned about what it will cost. We're not concerned about uh, you know, any other thing, we just see it in our imagination. It was a thing that they used to say in uh, elementary school, let's put on our imagination caps. So let's put on our imagination caps and walk through our imagination and begin to see the potential that we can walk in as a church. So let's talk about imagining. The first thing that I want us to to look at is imagine a church where people are known by their love. And we talked about that love is not a noun, but love is a verb. Love is an action. Love is uh, how we conduct ourselves. So imagine how it is to walk in the power of love. A love that isn't uh, superficial, but a love that is genuine. 
and that Jesus said that people would know that we belong to him by the love that we have one for another. So at, when we are interacting with people, they will know that we are Christians by the love that we show not only to people that are outside our circles, but the real example is based upon the people that are in our circle, the people that are around us, and the people that are a part of our organization. So we want to express this or we want to see ourselves operating in this love where we're giving, where we're showing people care and concern. We want to be the extension of God's love for us to the people that are around us. We want to establish that presence. We want to establish that atmosphere of what it is like for God to be present on this earth. A lot of people look at it as a disconnected uh, environment whereby God's sitting up there and uh, we're down here, but there is a conduit by which God's love is reflected. The love is based upon our confidence that God is going to do what he says he's going to do. And because of this, we are able to show love toward people that others may consider that they're unlovable. So what that means is that the love does not just stop at our church doors, that it touches our community, it touches our cities, it touches our states, because that is what we're known as. Do, do you realize that hospitals were started by Christians because nobody really wanted to go deal with the sick people, but the Christians, as they were showing love towards their fellow man went into uh, the leprosy colonies as they, they went into uh, these infectious diseases areas and they set up care and concern for those people. And so we want to be today, we want to see ourselves as those folks that show that type of love to folks that are going through situations, folks that are having complications that we are there to provide them with stability, provide them with hope that everything is going to be all right. So imagine the church, our church, showing unconditional love. Imagine our church showing or revealing truth. Where truth is, is, is proclaimed and Remember, we talked about that true, anything that we consider true is based upon our perception. Anything that's true has an absolute. Now, I know there's teachings today that says that we get to establish our own truth. But I, if, if, if that is the, a fact, then it causes complications when somebody conflicts against what your truth is. So we want to look at what the absolutes are and walk in that. So if we established, if we cherished, if we proclaimed truth in every environment, whether it's what we're preaching, whether it's when we meet in our small groups, whether it's uh, in our children, uh, children's and youth ministry, if we're teaching truth, 
where we're in an environment where truth, as I said before, is, is relative and, and is subject to whatever your opinion or your preference is. And if we would just take the truth of God's word and look at the redemption that we can find in Christ Jesus, it will change the environment. It would change how people interact with one another. It would change uh, our standard of living and interacting uh, with one another. With that even said, imagine a place where uh, atheists and agnostics and people from other religions, they could all come and not just know that they're loved, but know that there's truth that can be found in the life of Jesus. Why? Because we're exampling it by our love. We're declaring it by the truth. And it's also a place where skeptics can come and they're welcome because we know that God can handle the hard questions. A lot of times we push people away because of fear, but we want to provide an environment whereby people can come together with questions. We can come together and we can, as the Bible says, we can reason together and come to a conclusion. A lot of times where we run into these complications is all throughout the years, we, we come up in, in a church environment for those of that, has, of, that have come in that direction, and there's been questions, but we hit the because I said so or because that's the way it's always been, and we never really look into the truth of the matter. Why do we do it this way? This makes me want to do a side, little side thing real quick. There was this... Uh, this daughter, and she was sitting in the kitchen with her mother and her grandmother, and they were cooking a, din a, a family dinner, and the daughter was sitting up there, and she was preparing a ham, and she was cutting the end off the, off the ham. She cuts the end off the ham, and she says, Mama, why do we cut the end off the ham? And her mama looks at her mother, and she says, Mother, why do we cut the end off the ham? And the mother says, well, I don't know why y'all cut the end off the ham, but my pan was too small, so that's why I cut the end off. But what it, we never got to the reason why, and so the same thing. We just do things because of tradition, and sometimes traditions do not fit into the construct of the current reality. And so we want to bring out the truth of it. We want to dig into it. We want to look at it in such a way so that we can get an understanding that is not just because everybody else does. It is not just because that's the way it's always been so that we can understand it and so that we can actually make it uh, digestible, that we can make it so that folks can say, oh, I can see why that is the way it is. It's not just because I said so. That's not a good way of parenting, nor is it a good way of leading. There has to be a level of giving, uh, imp implying, uh, inputting, understanding into folks so that they have a motivation or they can see the same way that you see. Uh, okay, so we've imagined what it's like to show 
real love. We, we imagine what it is to declare truth and not just be running off opinions, but we dig deep into why it is the way it is. Okay, let's, let's, how about this? What if we imagined what, it was, what it's like if the church would really feel like a family? A place of fellowship, a place where we could come together and that people are accepted, that they're loved, that they're nurtured, no matter who they are, no matter what they've done, that they feel love. Wait a minute, that was the first thing we talked about, imagining love. So when you come into that environment where you feel a part, that even though you have idiosyncrasies, even though you have differences, even though there are things about you, that, you know, some, you know, you could be a nerd, you could be a geek, whatever, whatever it is, you're still accepted. And you're accepted for who you are. And this creates an environment where people can grow and that they can become uh, a part of this community of people that believe that Jesus is the answer. Where anyone can come and worship that is not based upon how you grew up or what uh, caste that you belong to or what economic uh, background you have. None of that it matters that the, the richest person in the world can fellowship with a person that does not have any money, but that they can worship in truth because they feel a part of one another. It's very easy for culture environments to create isolationism and false hopes of community. Because what they usually do, they have conditions set up. But if we can become that unconditional family, you are a part of our family and we know that you're weird. We know that you're different and but you're still family. And because you're still family, you're still a part of us and we accept you. We don't try to put you in a corner. We don't try to hide you or anything like that. It's just that person is a part of the family. And I think that's one of the things that we should be able to see because it, when we look at it in our imagination, we can see it. But when we look at it in our reality, we see that there's a lot of functionality of churches that have become more uh, like social environments. Like you have to do certain things in order to be a part of this church. You have to have this certain amount of income. You have to work in this type of environment. You have to do these things, but that's not the way that God designed this. So let us get our mind seeing it the way that God sees it. It's a group of family, a group of people that come together and they love one another, they encourage one another, and they accept one another. Because that is the way that we can example the community of believers, just like when the church first started. When the church first started, they didn't have a location to go to. They went from house to house. And the Bible talks about how they just brought all that they had, whether it was a lot or a little, and they brought it all together so that they could help one another. And they looked out for one another. And this is what drew other people in was the care and concern that they had for one another. Because the Romans was not playing. They was bringing heat. 
But they saw that these people, these Christians, were watching out for each other, keeping each other, looking out for one another, and people wanted to be a part of that. They wanted to belong to something that they felt that they could truly, genuinely be a part of. So we want to see ourselves, we want to, see, with our imagination caps, see ourselves operating in that type of environment where whoever walks through the door feels like they can walk through the door. That they won't feel like they have to kind of sit in the back, but that they can sit anywhere and that they can be a part of what we have going on. How about this for another one? Another thing I want you to imagine. I want you to imagine a church. I want you to imagine a uh, situation where people's lives are changed. Where love and truth and uh, fellowship and family, that it culminates into people being transformed at the core of their being. That it's not just a superficial change, but it's a change of their whole entire mindset. That their very center gets changed. Where people become addicted to true freedom. That they're not pursuing the almighty dollar. That they're not trying to climb the corporate ladder. That they are doing these things where they can operate in the freedom that Jesus gives us because we trust him and what he's done for us to maneuver us throughout the world that we're in. Where there's healing that is a tangible healing in all areas of the life, whether it's physical, whether it's emotional, whether it's spiritual, whatever type of healing that is an environment where people come and because they're loved and accepted, they can be healed. Because they won't feel that they need to hide the wound but that they, they can expose the wound so that healing can be made manifest. You know, it, sometimes when we get wounded, we try to separate ourselves, we try to isolate ourselves, and actually the healing comes when we're allowing others to help us, to assist us. It's, it's, it's like uh, if you had... Uh, something in the center of your back. Let's say you had an itch in the center of your back and you try to go get all these things, you get a back scratch and all this. It, sometimes you just can't reach it, but the person standing behind you can see there's actually a bug crawling up your back. I know I just messed up somebody's head. Uh, and, and so they can pull the bug off of you. But, but the thing is, when you have others to help you, it makes the journey easier. That's why the Bible says it's two are always better than one. Because if something negative happens, you have somebody to assist you. So we want to create that environment. I want us to see ourselves being the example of the love, the truth, the fellowship, the healing processes. That we are strengthening one another. This is not an uh, individual event. I, I keep emphasizing that. This is a community coming together, encouraging, causing one another to grow, causing one another to be all that God has called for them to be. 
And so then it becomes this uh, environment where people can come in and they're like, oh, this is where I belong. Because folks want to be accepted for who they are. And once they're accepted for who they are, if there's deficiencies in who they are, then they make the decision to do better. You see what I'm saying? As you show them love, we love you where you are and we accept you where you are. They want to be better because they want to be accepting and they want to show the love that has been revealed to them. So when we can cause change at the individual level, it causes change at the community level. And as we can create those type of environments, we can change whole sectors of communities. We can change whole states. We can change countries by doing these processes that Jesus said they will know that you are my followers by the love that you show one toward another. By us seeing that there's a vision, that we see that our future is bright, our future is victorious in Christ Jesus, and that we can do all things through him who gives us the strength. And that by being a community that we can encourage one another, that we can help one another, that we can push and propel one another to success. And so when uh, we do this, we create this vision. And our, as, as the uh, subtitle says, vision provides clarity. If we can see it and we can visualize it, then we can go in that direction and as we're moving in that direction there will be things that come up but they will not be able to pull us away from what we see in our mind because that's what we want to do we want to be the church whereby love is shown truth is proclaimed and community fellowship is exhibited because that is the blueprint that Jesus has established. As we go ahead and call it a day today, I just want to remind you that our life is a mission for Jesus and that this mission is written into the DNA that was placed in us when we accepted Christ into our lives. And it does not stop you from sharing with others, but it propels you, it pushes you to share with others. And as we begin to see it through the ability of placing our imagination caps on our head, as we can visualize it, the vision provides us with the clarity that we need to go in a direction that God has given us for achievement of the goals. If you have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Today is a good day as ever in order to do that. As we have said, as we've gone through this time of imagination, that his desire is for us to show love one toward another, to walk in truth, and to be a community 
that exhibits his traits to those that are around us. If this is something that you are longing for, that you desire to have in your life, it's a quite simple process. The Bible says it like this. It says in Romans the 10th chapter and the 9th verse that if, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. Now, that word saved means delivered, rescued. What you are being delivered and rescued from is the fact that man is in a fallen state. And because we're in a fallen state, we are missing the mark that God has set. And because we're missing that mark, there's a penalty that comes with that. When you accept Jesus into your life, it then removes the penalty of missing the mark from your life. And then there's a process that we go through in order to become more like Jesus. Another scripture says that if you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved, delivered, you shall be rescued. And so we want to create an environment for you where you know that you have a need and that we can facilitate for you this need. Now, it's not us personally, but it's through the relationship that you establish with Jesus Christ and what it is. We come as a community of believers around you to encourage you to live this life according to God's word. And we're all pursuing this. We're all doing this together. And we're all moving toward showing that unconditional love, declaring that truth, and being a family that accepts us for who we are. If you make that decision today, please let us know because there's additional information that we want to give to you. If you could email us at info at godshousecc.com, we'll provide you with that info to continue to, for you to continue in this new journey that you are going on. We're excited that you've made that decision and we will do everything within our ability to help facilitate you to grow in love, to grow in truth, and to become that point of acceptance and fellowship that God desires for you to be. Well, friends and family, with that said, lock into the vision of love, truth, and fellowship and see how the church can be the example, especially in this time, for others to have even greater hope. Well, until next week, God's blessings be upon you in Jesus' name.